What is it, a Monday club and a Tuesday club? Uh, well, there's Monday and the Tuesday club, and then <laughs> when, you, when you text me Tuesday, there was no way I was going on Wednesday. <laughs> that much. Uh, That's fair enough. <laughs> Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it if I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Yes, indeed. Three minutes past three on this Saturday afternoon, November 5th, 2022. OTB Football Saturday here and Off The Ball. Myself, Shane Hannan, brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. Just watching Manchester City against Fulham here on the television in front of us. Three minutes played at the Etihad. Erling Haaland and Phil Foden start from the bench for Man City for this game. So it is Football Saturday for the next two hours. We're live on stream, youtube.com forward slash Off The Ball, on Facebook and on Twitter as well, at Off The Ball. And of course, on radio, on News Talk, you can get touch comment on all, any of the streams or text us 53106 at a cost of 30 cent delighted to be joined in studio by the esteemed broadcaster and journalist and Galway man Johnny Ward good afternoon Johnny how are things good afternoon Shane good afternoon too to the Cove Ramblers boss Shane Keegan afternoon Shane Shane how are you getting on keeping well and the former Republic of Ireland international David Myler completing the group as well afternoon David good afternoon gentlemen we're keeping well. We've got uh, Johnny wearing headphones here. We were struggling there, very uh, panicky, trying to get a set of earphones for Johnny so we could hear the two lads. Can you hear the two lads now, Johnny? I yeah. can, yeah. You can yeah. with the DJ Ward in the mix over here. Ward, yeah. yeah um, looking so, well. Uh, yeah, looking forward to the show. No Dan today. No Dan. Um, counting down to the end of the League of Ireland season. Obviously, only... Uh, a week left until the cup final and Shane Keegan probably already planning next season in terms of this, the, being, the the preparation has already begun for Cove's assault on the title next season which will involve Go United yet again for a sixth season stand, stand, <laughs> Standing in the muck and the rain on the side of a pitch in Turles last Sunday morning Johnny Ward I was oh. thinking Johnny Ward would love that scene now trying to find me next trying to find me next league race Johnny trying to find me next gem to pluck from junior football to, to try and make a star of well, what, what age group was that Shane? Uh, adult, adult, well, adult uh, junior right? football. Yeah, okay. just t- Tipperary, Tipperary uh, District League. Peak Villa is the name of the team. And Turles were playing against Clonmel Town, so two of the two of the strongest teams in the Tipperary League. And there was one one player in particular, with two players in total, one on each side that I was looking to get my eyes on. So that's that's what I was at, Shane. Mm. What was Peak Villa? Was Peak Villa when they won the European Cup in the eighties? Jesus, it's yeah, a great well, name for a club. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's uh, it's one of those things we were we were discussing uh, just before we came on air, Johnny, about. The Waterford-Galway match last night, so Waterford winning and setting up a, a promotion relegation game against UCD to come. Uh, madness in the stands, so there was st- structural, I suppose you call it a structural failure, in, in the away, what is normally the away end at Markets Field, the tr- Treaty United ground. And um, yeah, the, the Waterford fans had to be moved. Five, five minute pause in the match as well between the 26th and 31st minutes. So what happened there, Johnny? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, structural issues in the Galway United uh, team as well, um, as it turns out. But uh, although it was more individual errors, it was, it was strange though, Shane. Galway United give away uh, a very ter- terrible goal, like just a, a goalkeeping mistake. And um, we're struggling to get into the game. But then um, Alan Patrick, the referee, just took the ball. And I was like, is he just going to call the game off here? What's going on? And I thought it must be there have been some instance of sort of crowd trouble or maybe abusive. Uh, 
lines people in recent games so I thought it might be something to do with that but then it became apparent um, that maybe I'm at a guess seven or eight hundred Limerick Watford fans in the goal to the left and we're just being told to get out the the stand it's this kind of temporary crappy structure that really shouldn't be um, used Uh, and you can feel it vibrating if you're ever in it particularly when it's probably over full as it seemed to be last night pretty terrifying isn't it Mm. now the the big question here is were the FAI um, advised about this because apparently there was an issue in the Treaty Watford playoff okay. semi-final and the Watford fans expressed some Watford fans expressed um, reservations at that stage yeah. right. and Watford have a big travelling support I'd say there was about 3,000 at the game last night which is a fair going for a neutral venue so the Watford fans just moved on mass to this kind of grassy embankment the far side um, thereby apparently making um, the the uh, the stream on LOI TV hard to watch because they were blocking the cameras but that, they weren't there in the first place so the stand behind the goal was empty and funnily enough Galway United um, started better in the resumption so to speak mm. it almost like it helped them and had a good spell but then went 2-0 behind but it was all very strange and um, the the idea of having a neutral venue that obviously isn't fit for purpose the FAI will have to answer questions about this Marcus Field could be a really really good League of Ireland ground it's a great location you kind of you get off the train and it's maybe a 10 minute walk it's central um, proper old kind of ground and has huge potential I think but at the moment it's clearly not fit for purpose and certainly not fit for the purpose of a game as big as this yeah, a bit concerning, and and on the pitch as well. You're not you're not pleased with the fact that your beloved Galway United will spend another another year, sixth year next year. You said in Division yeah, One. Yeah, like in fairness, Shane, that that like I started supporting Galway United in 1997, March 1997. Galway is what the third or fourth biggest city in Ireland unbelievable p- talent in terms of you look at the likes of David Ford Stephen O'Donnell um, Rory Gaffney Patrick Hooban Daryl Horgan um, all these players that came through Galway many of whom haven't played for Galway United since, since I started supporting them in 1997 we haven't won anything like literally nothing we haven't even won a first division and it does get frustrating after a while because you know to, to go into the Premier Division for six successive seasons Shane Keegan was our manager when we were last in the Premier Division um, we finished four points behind Bowes that season we got relegated and Bowes got through into Europe via the league Man, that's how tight that league was we haven't recovered really since then and it was so demoralising last night to be back in the, the work that's going on off the pitch um, and there was it was not very nice at the end there was a lot of um, I guess disgust and disdain among the supporters that had you know been so sort of vocal while even while it was 2-0 and Galway United then got a penalty that they missed mm. everything went wrong in the night but then at the end it turned nasty and there was kind of you know vitriol at, at the management team or whatever from a section of the support and um, it wasn't nice to see and it was just you know it was depressing going home last night because it was another season of this and looking at Shane Keegan on the, on the dugout is he, is Shane, he sounds like he's blaming you for for Galway's demise. No. He's he's referring back to no that relegation. There. <laughs> no surprise there at all, Shane. Is there none whatsoever? Um, nah, look, look, all joking aside, it is it is disappointing not to have um, a team with the potential that Galway have and a city that the potential Galway has uh, back in the in the Premier Division. To be honest with you, I mean, it wouldn't take a whole lot. For Galway to become, I know, like it's mad. We're saying it wouldn't take a whole lot for Galway to become a really, really powerful club again, and yet nobody has found the answer as to how to make that happen over the last, as Johnny says, however long it is at this stage. Um, yeah, look, I, I like look. I can only speak for my time there, as Johnny says. We, you know, we were probably quite unlucky to go down. You know, some would say we should have went down. I, I will always harp back to the fact that that. that 
to me it just made up so I got told about a week into getting the job I got told that, that Galway had, had been one of the teams who voted to increase it from two going down to three going down um, we were then the third that went down mm. that never ever made sense to me so talk about digging your own grave um, but there are brilliant people involved in the club absolutely brilliant people involved in the club um, and like Cobry Rears now Galway fans but I mean I always look at I always look at Galway and I'd be thinking you know but would, would there ever be an opportunity again some stage in the future that you could because it's, it's the one thing it really irks me that things didn't work out when I was there because to be fair the support the people behind the club people involved in the club at board level and even just as volunteers they're absolutely top top class they really really are um, and nothing ever disappointed me as much as, as, as it not working out successful for me there because it, it does it has huge huge potential Shane it really really does and it's, look, it's a fantastic place I've said it before we moved over there it's the only place I moved to, to manage um, and if I if I had come home to my wife and suggested that we move to any other place in Ireland um, because I wanted to manage their football club, she would have told me to take a run and jump. But she was more than happy to to to, to move to Galway because it's just such a, a, a fantastic part of the country, you know. Like I I, I am biased, but like Galway uh, is essentially the coolest race in the world. Like, After Monaghan, obviously, but <laughs> yeah. Well, take your point. It's it's essentially you have you have the races, you have uh, the arts festival, you have a really good football and hurling team almost consistently all the time. You've Connacht rugby. Um, and you've Galway United and Galway United is sort of the one that continues to lag behind despite all the work that's been done and what frustrates me Shane is the fact that I've been going to many many Premier Division games post-Covid and the lift you can see it like across all of the grounds pretty much you can see the lift and the standard of the football and we're just being left behind mm. and the, the gap t- between us the haves and the have-nots and granted we have the comers but the gap between us and the Shamrock Rovers of this world I mean the thought of Galway United playing in Europe is like you know it's just so fanciful like we just can't even get out of the first division and in, in all that, this time you have clubs like that should be way smaller than us winning things and um, after a while it's infuriating because I'm only one of the people involved and you know the, the, the people that are involved in the coalface who work hard and have to sell tickets and have to do this and that and just this constant constant underachievement and underachievement and acceptance of mediocrity is it's hard to take I think you know the way when you mention a treat or a walk to a dog their ears prick up I think everyone in Cork's ears just pricked up there David Myler the coolest place in Ireland and <laughs> listed off a few things that you could also describe about Cork I think <laughs> just as he was listing them off hurling football soccer <laughs> don't have the jazz festival about the province team we've got you know we've got Munster you know we've got the lot there mm. Johnny great nightlife great people <laughs> oh, we've, got the, we've got the full full shebang and we've had great success so yes. yeah. I mean, throughout the years, even when John Coffey was manager of Cork, going back then, and then obviously you go back to the early 90s when Dave Barry and Cole were involved when Cork were playing in the, or the early stages of the European Cup Champions League. Do you know what I mean? Cork's a better city. <laughs> let's let's have a vote in what's the, what's the coolest place Galway the, or Cork what's the coolest place Galway like, the problem with Galway is like if you live there how would you how would you live any sort of a normal life it's a hipster too, haven too isn't much, it? it's not hipster it's too much crack and it's so friendly it's like. so hipster that you don't even call it hipster no, I think, yeah, exactly it was hipster before hipster existed it has that kind of the Spanish arch it has this kind of outward but very friendly type vibe it has you know the, the, the fast flowing water of the carb and it's just ah, it's the coolest place ever that takes me about five days to get over returning from Galway though so if I, and I've never lived there 
probably for good for good reasons you know but we just need a football team in the Premier Division Shane are me and you going to start putting forward the argument for Leash and Monaghan here 100% <laughs> hold on Ash, you, can, you can let them go you can let them go yeah. oh, Jesus Stony Grey Soil and all if that. you're from Leash or Monaghan text us in to 53106 <laughs> and, and give us the reasons why I could give you 100 reasons here but we'll be here till 5 o'clock for Monaghan congrats to Waterford by the way just to mention their uh, yeah, club yeah. that's going well I don't think they played particularly well last night but they had us at arm's length and the problems with the playoff Shane is you have to get through three rounds of games and they have to beat UCD which is probably 50-50-ish really so they're yeah. they're not through at all yet and they might be I hope you know I hope uh, maybe UCD might be better for going out to be in the, in the first division next season but it's no guarantee Waterford will go up at all yeah it's true it's, it's funny lads talking about the, the structural issues in the in the market field ground there like it reminded me of a tweet from Marie Crow during the week so she was talking about the, the DDSL week three in a row now this weekend of pitches being closed because of pitch conditions and I know this time of year it's tough anyway but clubs are up and down the country trying to play on pitches that are just unplayable at this time of year not everyone has an Astro pitch or a 3G pitch that they can use like is it, is it an issue in, in, in League of Ireland even like I, even David from your time playing with Cork City at the start and probably going to matches now and stuff like is the, is the quality of pitches and facilities in Ireland a, a big issue? 100% like um, my schoolboy team is College Corinthians and we were very fortunate I think we were one of the first teams to ever have um, like uh, an AstroTurf pitch Albeit, looking at it, it's probably a seven-a-side pitch. It's not like it's not a full eleven v eleven. But like even now, right? I've got my own football academy here, and obviously when I was doing the groundwork to see where I was going to launch it, like you have certified FA qualified pitches, um, astroturf pitches that are four G that are like FA approved. There's probably thirty or forty of them around here. Um, it's it's ridiculous. Like, and I live in Hull. Like, you know, to think like mm. if you look at the big cities of your Manchester, you know, Manchester, London, Birmingham, which would be classed as bigger cities, they probably have two or three times the amount. And even when I like, I go back and I think of Cove, like they have, you know, Clash de Verla was the four G pitch. I thought Shane, you can update me. I know Stephen Ireland's got one. I don't know it's that that one. Then you had like the sand based one in Ashton. Like you had one in Mayfield, Douglas Hall have now got a full size one. Um, there's one out in Blarney, I believe. But like, there's not a whole host in Cork, and that's me thinking back to my own time of as a kid playing. Mm. So like, I don't know. I obviously, look, it all comes down to Johnny Cash. Um, so is that funding from the government? Is that funding from the FEI? But there has to be something done that you know that we can get 4G pitches across Ireland that are suitable and they're they're not probably tied to certain clubs that may be in an area where you know you obviously then have to book it and you can allocate it you know certain games and certain times or whatever but there needs to be more um, certainly more facilities for people you talk about standing in the mud there like Shane it matches like it is it is all as, as David says all about the Johnny Cash and uh, it's tough to walk the line when you're at the touchline when oh, you're uh, walking oh, through mud I, th- I thought you were going to segue into Man City taking the lead there in terms of Johnny Cash but that's just sorry we've, yeah. we've, had, we've had a lo- long long week together you I have to apologise for that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So that's my, my, my only Johnny Cash pun I could think of uh, as Man City as you say Johnny Erling Haaland sitting on the bench watching uh, smirking his face there Man City won Fulham it was a lovely strike that's in off the, the underside of the post who got the goal um, is it Rodri Fulham Fulham giving the ball give the ball away in midfield yeah. City have been pushing here the way to pass here from uh, this I think this is was it Bernardo Silva Bernardo give the ball Silva. in possibly can't see quite could have been Gundogan Gundogan it looks like uh, well on side Alvarez is it Alvarez, is it Alvarez? 
Yeah, my Sky Go app here is about 30 seconds behind G, so you give me a good heads up there as everyone over to it. <laughs> I, there you go, yeah. It, I know, but what, live, yeah. In, live on my screen. <laughs> where's where's uh, Burnt Leonard going? Well, this is the thing. Yeah. It, like, you see the replay. He's on his like knees as gone, well. He's, he's mm. gone down the middle. Yeah, and he gets a fingertip to it, but I don't know why he's so low. I don't know why he's so far out as well. Best. Wait, you know, incoming the text to 53106 of Keepers <laughs> Union. What's the Keepers keepers alone. It, it, he's gambled. Yeah. He's gambled. He's gambled, gambled that he's going to go across him. He has. Lovely way, as Johnny said there from Gundogan. And Al- Alvarez, what was it, a goal and two assists during the week or two goals and one assist? Oh, two goals and one assist. Yeah. He's um, a fabulous player. Ball. Yeah. Yeah, David is right though. I mean, you're right. Look, again, I'm, I'm, I'm a coach. I'm not a goalkeeping coach, but you're, I mean, the. the the one phrase that you always hear is, you know, keep your make yourself as big as possible. Keep yourself as big as possible. He's actually touched it, has he? Has the keeper touched he got it? A on yeah. on there. If he if he stands still, if he it stands goes straight at him. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like becoming 100%. a shit version of soccer Saturday here, like you know, just kind of talking badly <laughs> about a goal that we, we can't actually see. Is that is that t- is that tough though? Like David, you know, if, if that happens during a match, say you're you're on Bernd Leno's teammate there, and you're watching that, and then you come in at halftime, and do you say anything at halftime? Is there any point? Do you wait until after the game? No, yeah. I, look, <laughs> there's always that. It's it's the arguments happen in change rooms in my time from mistakes like kicking the ball away, getting like a second yellow card, or giving away a crap free kick. Do you know, like if 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 you're on the attack and somebody like a striker fouls someone in the corner, you leave them out easily. Those are kind of really the nitpicky ones. Like the. the that's frustrating, but like at the same time, like Leno's not done it on purpose. You mm. know what I mean? He's he's made a mistake, and he'd probably be the first to hold his hands up in the change room. So I'm not going to go to town them because if I, what happens if I misplace a pass and then, <laughs> you know they get a chance off it? You have to be you have to pick and choose your battles as well. Like yeah, and Shane, the, the one the one person in your team who you need their confidence to remain bulletproof is is your goalkeeper. Mm. And any and I, I I don't know if they ever agree. Any good goalkeeper I have had. They've had an amazing ability. Never, they might blame themselves in the aftermath, but at the time they're able to find somebody else to blame. And I'm okay with that, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't be as okay with it if it was an outfield player. I had, I had an scenario when when I went into Wexford. I, in my five years at Wexford chain, the one goalkeeper played every minute of every game. <laughs> he went five consecutive seasons playing every single minute of every game. Right, but Graham was a gas man in that. Graham could, if Graham did, he didn't make too many errors, but if he did make an error for a goal, he'd managed to be able to trace it back to five or six passes to whichever Wexford lad had lost the ball initially <laughs> and start roaring and shouting and pointing at them and blaming them for it. And as I say, I was kind of all right with that. <laughs> that to me, that makes sense. You want your keeper absolutely bulletproof in terms of his confidence and, and, and not seeing any flaws in himself, you know? Last last night was, it, it really, you know, it emphasised how lonely a position it is because, like, Conor Kearns, the United goalkeeper, has, I can barely think of a mistake he's made all season um, of the games I've watched. And often been quiet in games, it's been really, really solid. Mm. And the first Warford goal was just a terrible mistake I, I don't know and uh, I don't know how you describe it and it looked like which which was notable and uh, I'm, I'm speaking for him here but it looked like his confidence really suffered later in the game right. but a 2-0 Go United are awarded a penalty and Conor Kearns essentially he's sort of halfway between his own line and the halfway line and he's crouched down in almost like a kind of a squatting position it looks like he's in prayer yeah. to say please let us score this penalty so that that mistake that I made won't be critical and of course we missed the penalty and lost 3-0 and 
and mm. you can just tell that like he was he was feeling the horrors of it like and it, it really made me think about that how lonely a position it is when you make a mistake because it, it's it's like that's almost like the thing he'll be remembered for this season when it was like an infantile percentage of what happened yeah go keep, yeah go on head just before the city goal, there you were you were touching on a good point there, just on the facilities, mm. um, and and yeah, like the, it is amazing. I suppose my take on it would be the difference between the view of a local club as against the League of Ireland club. You see, you have got that thing, obviously, that the local club is a community club, and therefore. They're, they benefit in two ways. One, they can apply for various different government funding and all of that kind of thing that is probably more ready accessible to them. And two, they can play on the community field in terms of getting businesses behind them and putting money forward. You look at League of Ireland Club and everybody looks at League of Ireland Club, no matter look at them as a business. Mm. Um, and therefore, you don't get that level of support either, neither at, at government level nor at, at at local business level. I mean, I live in I well, I'm, I'm living out the country ten minutes from it now, but my hometown here, Rathdowney in in Leash, like we are a very small town with a very small club, and like we had we have been made like we were absolutely delighted this morning. R- weather wasn't great. We have a fantastic little astro in 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 our place. And we're Clover United's Damon Club. We have a fantastic little astro. We had a team across from from about twenty minutes away. What had we? 12, 12, 24, two teams of 12, 24 eight-year-olds running around playing two six-a-side games for an mm-hmm. hour this morning. And you compare that, as David says, down in Cove, like on a Monday night, we train on the Stephen Ireland Astro. We have to pay for that. On a Wednesday night, we, we train on Mayfield's Astro. We have to pay for that. We essentially have nothing of our own um, from a training perspective, while junior clubs are, are far, far better equipped. I mean, there's a club, We even though we're in Leash, we play in the Kilkenny League. There's a club in the Kilkenny League there, Johnny had known well from junior football, they would have had a couple of good runs in Leinster Juniors and that, Evergreen. Evergreen now have two full-size AstroTurf pitches. Right. Two full-size Astros and they're class. The two of them are class. Now, they have a huge membership and that's where some of the money comes from. Um, they have a big backer in, I think it's taxback.com. I think their owner is 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 kind of involved with the club there. But, you know, whatever way they've managed to come up with the money, like their facilities are, like compared, there's really only, I would think, Shamrock Rovers that have, you know, have, have better facilities in the country, you know? Jesus, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how that there's a bit of a divide like some clubs are lucky as you say with membership and fundraising and sponsors and, and similar size clubs then struggle to struggle to get anything together in terms of facilities um, we uh, should update you on the, the scores around the Premier League as well Man City 1 Fulham nil. 24 minutes played as I said uh, Leeds 1 Bournemouth 2 Leeds of course looking to follow up that win against Liverpool at Anfield last week and they, they started brightly took a, a lead after three minutes Rodrigo with a penalty on seven minutes Marcus Tavernier uh, equalised and then uh, just there now in 19 minutes Philip Billing giving the OSI Bournemouth a 2-1 advantage so 23 minutes played there bottom side Nottingham Forest are 1-0 up against Brentford uh, so Morgan Gibbs-White has just opened the scoring for them at the city ground and it's Wolves 1 Brighton 1 uh, so Adam Lalana giving Brighton the away side the lead after 10 minutes and Gonzalo Guedes uh, equalising on 12 minutes 2 minutes later big game in the, the top of the championship standings as well a little bit earlier full time Abraham Lane was Sheffield United 5 as City go 2-0 up uh, Man City uh, free kick came in the header was saved by the keeper and John Stones tapped it in he's not celebrating too much so is it a VAR yes it's offside remains 1-0 to Man City in that game uh, Sheffield United 5 Burnley 2 so uh, what that does to the top of the championship standings Burnley remain top 3 points ahead of Sheffield United in 2nd but uh, Sheffield United have a game in hand over them 
and Sheffield United are two goals better off on goal difference as things stand as well lads the texts are flying in on uh, a few different Fucking Galway issues. yeah yeah. 5 3 one, oh, six. On, you called it how so, far is Galway ahead well it's, it's controversial some of these comments so there's comments on a few different things so, someone says Connacht belongs to Sligo Rovers the same football tradition isn't in Galway as there is in Sligo fair someone says time for Caulfield to go plays long ball per football says Enda in Galway that's nothing to do with Cork or Galway no no uh, <laughs> someone says someone says the uh, the downfall Galway has are the locals a lot of D4 types says John and Limerick controversial sorry what the downfall Galway has are the locals a lot of D4 types John and Limerick stay in Limerick John <laughs> we, we didn't even mention Limerick oh, I always air I've always liked you John fellow you Paul 100% Galway and Cork are in reality only small towns with delu- red cards sorry red card for uh, this is a this is an interesting call Cancelo a red card. it's a the double whammy here it's is it a penalty for Fulham it, yeah and it was like it was a stupid tackle so I guess it is a red card yeah, he he's, he's, he's deemed not to have made an attempt to win the ball here um, he doesn't want to go off the pitch Joao Cancelo either but he has got the, the it was a straight red card there Johnny you Adam it? and Eva yeah so this could be one all City down to 10 Liverpool right back in the time race stupid foul isn't it it's ridiculous <laughs> this is ridiculous it's I ridiculous love how you swept that in Johnny sorry can we just go back there Johnny just did that Liverpool back in the title race <laughs> <laughs> I think go unnoticed the last time I was on with David I predicted Man City would beat Liverpool 4-1 is right he was predicting Liverpool win or something I said like stop will you and we know how that worked out yeah 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 very true and I spoke to Dan McDonald about that after don't have your number Johnny I don't, yeah. think, you're, I don't think you're replied to me anyway <laughs> he was very quiet since then actually Johnny mm. uh, yeah yeah, that's true they followed that up with defeats at Nottingham Forest they did I know but anyway, yeah, no, they we're did. not going down this road today lads <laughs> no 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 Moral tell the tale uh, the City players here surrounding the referee um, really Bernardo Silva's there Edgerson Jack Grealish Rodrigo Joel Cancelo was only now starting to walk off the pitch he wasn't happy at all with the decision but I mean Harry Wilson was was Relatively through one goal. I don't know if Edison was going to get there first. He has to get out of the way because he he's not. He's, it's 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 kind of clumsy, but like he basically barrels him out of the way, and that's not deemed an attempt to win the ball. So by definition, he he's got yeah. he, he has to get a red card there. Yeah, we'll stick with this one while. Uh, yeah, but it, how crazy is that? If he slide tackles with a genuine attempt for mm. the ball, like he, he it's a yellow card and a penalty, but. Because he doesn't actually go for the ball, it's then a double whammy, as you said. Yeah, I, I think they should probably change the rule and that that should just be a yellow card. He's given it. I mean, it's a massive punishment to give a penalty and a red card for something that's basically a collision. Pep, um, um, Pep is hugging Joel Cancelo there with his with his hands up. I don't know if he's given out to Cancelo or if he's saying, I agree with you, I don't think it was a penalty. But Andreas Pereira, who's on a yellow card himself, is stepping up to take this penalty for Fulham. Uh, he's been excellent for Fulham since uh, joining from uh, Manchester United. Uh, with his bleach blonde hair it's, it's, uh, I like the barnet with the it's little black smig going on yeah. it's, uh, the bleach and the black yeah. um, as he steps Fulham up being good. it's Pereira against Ederson oh, puts it away sends Ederson the wrong way puts it bottom left Ederson goes the other way and uh, fingers to the ears a little slide in front of the City fans for the former Manchester game on, man. game on. Oh, man, man City won Fulham won 28 minutes on the clock uh, on I that one Pereira's, uh, Pereira sitting on my bench in fantasy Ooh, I think I think I have him in the team Johnny, Jesus, Johnny doesn't like the fantasy talk <laughs> no I'm the same as usual did, I think did, I have him on the team did though. you notice you didn't cop who, who who did Cancelo bring down it was Harry who Wilson was it I think it was Harry Wilson yes Harry Wilson will get an assist is that right yeah uh, no yeah, no yeah. no I'm not talking about no no I'm not talking fancy football I just, it's just interesting that we say one of you said like Cancelo needs to pull out there I mean 
you know, you will do a lot of finishing practice uh, in training and when you're working. What's he doing? Like, sorry, he just, he literally just barred him out the way. There was no need whatsoever for that. It was ridiculous. I think the thing, the thing is, the only thing I can think at that moment is Cancelo is trying to shoulder him. Shield him or whatever, yeah. Shoulder mm. him, mm. I think. And I think Harry Wilson's got in front of him and he's just cleaned through the back of him. He's mistimed it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, I don't know but, what. But Harry Wilson... Wilson deserves a lot of praise there, lads, because you, you're, that is what you're constantly coaching the player is. Take your first touch across the mm. defender's line of run. So he either has to break stride or bring you down. Yeah. And that's exactly what he's done. Yeah, it's fair. Well, it's obviously an absolute revelation as well this season, to be fair. Like this, they have a great chance of winning this game, you think, now. Yeah, it's also tw- uh, one all after 29 whoa, minutes whoa, at the Parkhead. Celtic won the United one. A realistic chance, David, anyway. Sorry, yeah, realistic yeah, chance. It's still, still Manchester City at home. They'll, they'll probably still have, have 80% of the ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say they'll still have 60% possession. Yeah, it's, it's a good game so far. Like City definitely starting the brighter of the two, but I'm um, just looking at the stats here, possession-wise, so far. Yeah, City have 75% of possession to date uh, from the first half hour. So, dominant, but uh, Fulham, yeah, Fulham are doing what Fulham have been doing. Lads, he's, he's interrupted the text. So, 53106. Yes, yeah. Goa and Cork are in reality only small towns with delusions of grandeur. Can't beat a real proper big city like Dublin. Yeah, well, there was always going to be one, wasn't There's there? There's going to be a few dubs. Uh, someone says, John Limerick is 100% correct from Paul in Sligo. So, this is all like you know this is all just like uh, kind of western um, inferior places that feel <laughs> like a sense of insecurity about how cool Galway is yeah uh, someone says uh, this one for you Shane Keegan Shane uh, the best thing about living in Leash is you get to go to Cork and Galway on lads trips I'd say Galway just edged it with the Christmas market says Adrian in Leash Christmas market's really cool yeah yeah the Christmas market in Galway is a good one and stags jeez I could, I could the amount of stags I've been on in Galway my god I've been on a few in Cork as well now in fairness I actually had my own stag in Cork so I had alright oh, well, well that was uh, yeah. look look yeah <laughs> if you ever hear if you're ever venturing down to Cork just drop me a text lads I'll get you looked after whatever you need there you go red carpets we'll you to that. for the wards I think we better we better cut this conversation I don't know where this is going but um, it's been trolling yeah. <laughs> it has been trolling my, 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 I have a lot of family in Galway so I, I have to obviously uh, say nice things about Galway but I had my first ever time in Cork during the summer there where I went down to West Cork and Cork City the first oh, time that I, it was fantastic West Cork is amazing and that's where you have you have the kind of you know the wild Atlantic way that part out yes I'm not sure exactly what part of Galway would, it would be but like yeah. obviously West Cork then would be our version of that like John and Limerick is back in touch Cork people are far friendlier than the Galway people <laughs> sorry John were you like were you John tell the family I was asking for them yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, in fairness I'm glad that Cork City are back in the Premier Division I was down a few games a couple of games of turns across the season and how you know, badly needed. Colin Healy got them back up. They kind of wobbled over the line a bit, but um, yeah, it'll be uh, it's going to be a hell of a Premier Division next season. If if Watford go up, with all due respect to UCD, Watford would have more to offer as a club. You'd basically have essentially ten full time teams and like really big cities represented from Derry to Cork to Watford to geographical um, spread. Yeah, yeah, and um, Drogheda may may struggle to go full time, but it'll be really really good quality. A couple of texts on the the facilities. Yeah, go on ahead, Jen. You won't like to hear this, Johnny, but it's also going to make for a better first division, in my opinion, because if if Watford hadn't, mm. now they're still not up. They're still not up. Far from it. They still have to play. They still have to play UC. I do think they'll beat UCD. I do think they'll beat UCD, and I think if they do, I think you look at a first division where there's no standout you know, favourites to go and win it the following year. Whereas if Watford don't up, I, I think you know they'd absolutely be. For me, they'd be a mile ahead in terms of, of potentially going up. The really good thing about Watford, Chain, as well, in fairness to them, is they've got a really, really good mix there of players that they've brought in 
um, the likes of Juno Quintara and, and Phoenix Patterson and these guys and they're kind of the X factor in the final third but yet the team is backboned by two really good young Irish boys in the centre of midfield mm. in, in Nilo Keefe and Shane Griffin and that's you, you, that's the kind of balance you like to see you know there is certainly a place in, a, in our teams from for players from from outside the, the the league who can bring you that X factor, but you do love to see the the kind of heartbeat of the side but remaining as local as possible. You know, couple of comments uh, text in five three one zero six and on the YouTube as well on uh, the facilities. Uh, someone saying lads on soccer facilities in Ireland from League of Ireland to schoolboys. The issue is uh, soccer has always been the poor relation to the GEA here. The solution has to be a government policy of significant investment over the long term, but that has never happened. They're not interested. Uh, another text from Leo. Hi lads, uh, enjoying the show. I'm a coach at under 11s Viani boys in our our three teams have games called off every week now we dread the weather time we have one pitch to share between 12 or 13 teams waterlogged every time it rains we've been in touch with the council FEI you name it we are in desperate need of astro pitches and we are not the only team there are lots of teams uh, locally in the same boat Irish football could be so much better with a bit of funding I, I do think we have to look at the, the calendar though as well our calendar is based on the British system but the League of Ireland went uh, summer season and Maybe I'm missing something here, but should we not all be playing like a summer season? I don't yeah. know what you think, Shane. You can't can't down the country, Johnny. You can't down the just just it's a, it's an absolute non-runner. So because so of gas, you take my yeah 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 hundred percent. You take my young fella, right? So basically, I started back uh, football soccer. I'm call it soccer just to differentiate for the moment. <laughs> um, we started back soccer. Let's say at the beginning of October. We'll play soccer now from the beginning of October through to around the end of March, there thereabouts. And then every young fella in the area will play hurling from the kind of end of beginning of April right through until the end of, of September. And if we had to go up, if, if soccer went up against the hurling around these parts, to be only one winner by a right. country mile. And that applies to Port Leash, Kilkenny, not just proper rural areas, any of the bigger towns. Kilkenny would, you know, Kilkenny is a really strong uh, football, soccer kind of uh, structure there at the moment. But if it had to go up against the Hurling, forget about it. Mm. Every every young fella between the age of, of seven and, and 17 will, will, well, not every, that's an exaggeration, but vast majority of them, if there's a Hurling match Saturday morning and soccer match Saturday morning, they'll go Hurling. Uh, we'll continue these conversations after the ad break lads uh, still Man City 1 Fulham 1 in front of us here the other uh, scores in the Premiership as I said Premier League Leeds 1 Bournemouth 2 it's a Nottingham Forest 1 Brentford 0 Brighton uh, away to Wolves one all in that game as well Everton versus Leicester City is the uh, late game at half past five as I said in the Championship Sheffield United 5-2 winners against Burnley in the early kickoff. Uh, all the games are scoreless the, the games that aren't scoreless in the Championship Middlesbrough nil, Bristol City 1 it's Rotherham United nil, Norwich City 1 Stoke nil, Birmingham 1 Scott Hogan with a goal there for Birmingham on 13 minutes uh, and uh, after half an hour it's Swansea nil, Wigan Athletic 2 Will Keane with the opener for Wigan and James McLean has got both assists in that game for Wigan Athletic away to Swansea in the Scottish Premiership then uh, Celtic have now gone 2-1 up at home to Dundee United uh, Sead Haksabinovic uh, opening the scoring Jota with the assist after just 6 minutes Stephen Fletcher with a penalty on 12 minutes equalising for Dundee United and uh, a double for Haksabinovic on uh, 34 minutes has them 2-1 to the good the table as it stands in Scotland that would have Celtic 7 points ahead of Rangers with the game in hand of course Rangers still to play this weekend so uh, that is the lay of the land get your text and keep them coming in to 5 6 we'll uh, preview Tottenham against Liverpool tomorrow as well we'll talk your favourite stadiums we'll talk football commentators who are your favourite football commentators who do you not like uh, do you ever listen to football with the commentary turned off uh, Jonathan Liu had a piece in the Guardian during the week very controversial enough piece where he 
stuck the two boots in into the football commentary in general. So we'll touch base on that. Myself, Shane Hannan, we have Johnny Ward in studio with me. We have the Cove Ramblers manager, Shane Keegan, and the former Republic of Ireland international, David Myler, on the line here on OTB Football Saturday between now and five o'clock. We'll be back in just a sec. Yep, very welcome back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk with myself, Shane Hannon, with you through until 5 pm. Brought to you by Sky. Get all the football you love in one place across Sky Sports, BT Sport, and Premier Sports. We have Johnny Ward, the broadcaster and journalist, and Galway Man in studio. We have the Cove Ramblers manager and leash man, Shane Keegan, on the line. And we have David Myler, the former Republic of Ireland international and Cork man, on the line as well. We're getting a few messages in. Danny McNally, a man I know from Manon, he's a three man house man. Uh, Gordy Keegan has an Astro, but no team. That's a fair point as well. Yeah, uh, it's a great memories of Gordy. Key. Yeah, decent facilities up there, but unfortunately, no League of Ireland team as things stand. Uh, we've got a comment from Phil Henny on YouTube, the YouTube stream. I'd say they don't read these comments at all. Same on Facebook. Uh, well, <laughs> Phil, I just read out your comments. There you go. I'm seeing it. I, I, I'm seeing you. Don't you worry. So, yeah, uh, 53106 for the text and YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter if you want to get in touch as well. A couple of other the comments on uh, YouTube. Peter M says Cork City is the biggest club in Ireland. Uh, someone else uh, he also adds Cork City had 6,500 at three games this year they had an average of 4,500 in the first division which is more than anyone in the prim- Premier Division and they have the third uh, budget in the league third highest it's budget not, in the league it's I not assume. more than Shamrock Rovers but well, there you it's, go. it's incredible yeah um, so a couple of decent comments um, someone Cal Doherty says the cycling is useless in Galway Johnny and I'm a Galwegian Probably right about that, yeah. You're a good cyclist, uh, Johnny, so you should sure. you'd know. Well, we, we had a, like the most Irish of Irish um, kind of uh, solutions to an issue recently where they decided that they can't actually do the bypass uh, to go from uh, west to east um, after all of this money was spent. Oh, actually, we can't do it because it's uh, conflicts with our climate action plan. So they're just back to square one. And Gal- the traffic in Galway is abysmal. I think, I don't know what the solution is, but um, yeah. That was uh, that was a, a bit of a farce. Yes, that's a downside to it. That's a, an extra point for Cork there. Potentially, uh, <laughs> David Myler smirks on the screen. A um, couple of other messages in the five three one zero six as well. Uh, Chaps Leeds has the same population as Dublin. Hull has the same population of Cork City. It just shows the quality of the Irish people. Jim and uh, lads don't write off UCD straight away same as last season Hope the college says Adam in Dublin. Yeah, I, I, I'm not writing them off at all. I think they've they've also been in great form of late. Um, why is Ireland one of the few countries that does not have a pyramid system with regional leagues at the third tier says Larry uh, and Ronan in Cork says Cancelo obviously intent on getting a little pre-World Cup rest says Ronan in Cork and in brackets better than Galway <laughs> so <laughs> people are getting involved they're getting involved in this Galway versus Cork debate um, lads I'm, I'm heading to Villa Park tomorrow for the first time never been uh, going to be in the press box for Aston Villa against Manchester United so Unai Emery's first game in charge um, it, it, I guess I decided to go to this game because stadium bucket lists and Premier League stadium bucket lists in particular was something that came into my head and, and Villa Park is one Craven Cottage I suppose is another that I'd l- love to head to by the way my younger brother is flying over still doesn't have a ticket so if anyone is listening and you have a ticket to Aston Villa against United tomorrow either home or away end and do you have a view on Galway v Cork and do um, if you uh, get in touch uh, you'll, you'll get me on Twitter at ShaneHannon01 or David Myler if you have any of those ex-Villa teammates of yours that might have a ticket float Myler around. sort you out <laughs> I mean he was sorting this out for just one ticket in Cork. one ticket we need yeah. so um, yeah they're not easy to come by or Villa United Villa United yeah yeah I know it's Emery's first game and it's United in town as well in Birmingham so it's not, it's not going to be an easy one but worst case scenario we're going to stand out there with a, with, a, with a cardboard placard before the game and maybe hopefully get one in the, one of the pubs or something before the match for Dara my younger brother so watch this space and, and you're saying you haven't been in Villa Park before Shane no have you not never never yeah. so I'm looking forward to it is, is, is it good any has been lads 
Well, yeah, obviously, David, you played there. Been but... a couple of times, actually. Yeah, yeah, been a couple of times. I was saying to Johnny before there when when um when you came when all the Irish boys there was a rake of Irish boys at Villa there in the underage system for a while, and uh, we had one in in Mikey Drennan. So I used to get forward and back and watch the reserves on a. Watch the reserves on the Friday. Uh, Mikey would have been playing in the reserves with the likes of Graham Burke and Jack Grealish, <laughs> um, and a lot of a lot of the young boys who were trying to break through. And then we would go to uh, go and watch whoever Villa were playing on the Saturday. So I'd say, I want to say, is it the stadium I've been in the second most? No, for for I've got a lot of Leeds supporting friends, so I've got Drag right. Hell and Road a hell of a lot of times. So I'd say Villa Park is probably the stadium I've been in, in third most in in uh, in England. Yeah. What's it like to play out, David? It's a Big pit. Like I think back to the FA Cup semi-finals over the years, and even the the famous Giggsy winner against Arsenal and the hairy chest. And it's a big enough pitch to play on, I'd imagine. Yeah, it is. But the one thing I will say, it's beautiful. Um, that pitch is one of the best pitches, like in probably in Europe. Right. Um, I I remember Martin O'Neill saying before that the groundsman. Um, he used to low like the players go onto the pitch because he wanted to keep it immaculate, <laughs> proper pride and cutting his grass and whatever. Um, but it's 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 actually it's actually a beautiful stadium. I've like had some good victories there. I suffered a cruciate ligament injury there. Right. Um, I suffered some defeats, but it's 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 great atmosphere. Certainly when kind of Villa are doing okay in the game, um, I think it's the whole end There's something they're they're very low noisy. So there's good atmosphere. It's a good stadium. I imagine like for the game tomorrow, whenever when the big six come to town, teams tend to get up for it. Maybe not as much Spurs, but definitely with the others. Um, with United coming, Villa will feel that first game under Unai Emery. Can they get a result and put in a performance? Um, so I imagine you know the stadium will be bouncing. Can I ask you lads? Um there was comments from Alejandro Garnacho of course is the, the new up and coming rising youngster and he has been for a while at, at United uh, and he's fancied as, as this next big star but there was interesting comments from Bruno Fernandes you might have seen some of these comments um, after the game during the week so he was asked about Garnacho and he said he was good but he knows that we expect a lot from him obviously he's still really young he's doing really well he was not at his best at the beginning of the season on the tour he didn't have the best attitude that he should have had and that's why he didn't get his chances until now he's getting his chances because he's training better having a different attitude and deserving his chances he doubled down then speaking to MUTV and said he didn't get his chances before because he was not good enough in training and not good enough mentality-wise. He's changed that. That's why he's getting chances. Everyone is really happy for him and pleased with his goal. Skulls then after the match uh, against Real Sociedad during the week. Uh, respond, responded to Fernandez's comments. He says he said that was in pre-season, so maybe he was too big for his boots in the summer. He did go with Argentina and play with Messi, and maybe he has come back and thought, this is me, and I'm part of this team. He's a young lad. He's going to learn, and we are going to see the benefits of that. Um, uh, interesting enough comments. Like, Do you feel like professionals like that should be saying things like this could this have been said in-house uh, to Granacho but it seems like a strange enough one lads to be calling out a young player in post-match interviews uh, maybe not call it, maybe calling out is a strong word but it seems like a bit of a uh, an overstep a bit of a criticism from Bruno Fernandes who's going to take the lead <laughs> well like do, do, you yeah, not, like, Shane, do you not have to be careful like if you have say if, say if you have your captain going up your co-rambler's captain and he's asked about a young player yeah. who maybe had issues in pre-season with behaviour or whatever it's not really the type of thing that you say in a post-match interview is it? No, it's not. It is rare enough that you do hear something like that spoken about Shane. And as you say, it could it could very well be true and it is the sort of thing that you would you would certainly say in-house. But to say publicly, is that good? Uh, look, the key, message, the key thing here for me is 
is that beneficial for the player? Is what's after being said in public beneficial for the player? And and anything that comes out of a manager's mouth or senior player's mouth should only be said if they feel it's going to be beneficial for the player. Now, we don't know what sort of a, a fella is. Obviously, we've got a little bit of a look, a, a window into his, his, his personality there. You know, is he a guy who's going to hear something like that and say... Yeah, do you know what? He has a point there and, uh, you know, my attitude has changed and I'm going to make sure that my attitude remains good or is he going to be like, Jesus, he's after hanging me out to dry there. Like, mm. uh, you know, there was absolutely no need for it. And, like, you know, th- you do see so much of it, Shane, young fellas who who come through and the potential is off the scale. Yeah. Um, and, and it's almost impossible to believe that, that at that time that, that a young fella could disappear into almost nothing um, I mean there's actually one to be honest with you there's one absolutely screaming out at me at the moment just because I'm after, re- after referencing that, that Villa group there a couple of minutes ago David I don't know if you uh, maybe you were would you have come up against them when I was going across to, to Villa a bit to, to, to see Mikey playing that the standout player in that Aston Villa team was not Jack Grealish the standout player in that underage Aston Villa team was Samir Carruthers <laughs> who also qualified to to play for Ireland and has played for Ireland at underage level. Um, but there was constant, constant question marks over his attitude and his application. I remember being at a training session one day where himself and... Uh, oh, his name escapes now. It'll come back to me in a few minutes. A Scottish guy. There was a, a kind of a gruff Scottish guy who was over Villa's underage team at the time. And um, himself and Crothers, Crothers was like 17 at the time, I'd say. And the two of them were just absolutely roaring abuse at each other in the middle of a training session. And I was going, I was kind of standing there going, Jesus, this fella is it's fiery, that's for sure. Um, and you were wondering with somebody like that who clearly had unbelievable ability, but also clearly had a very, very questionable attitude, where would he end up? And... I think the answer is I think he's, is he even in I don't know if he's even in the in the league at the moment. I think he might He'd be, be playing, playing for Cove next season by the sound. He's the type of sign that you'd make. We might actually lads. He's, we, I don't know. We, I don't, we, I don't we, know if that's the headache I want. Now. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we have to take an outbreak, lads. We might pick up on on Crothers after the after the weather here, um, as we as we take a look at the, the scores I mentioned just, that uh, just just, go on just ahead, before David. we go, he's playing in the national league for South Darford or something, right? Jesus. So Mad. that answers that question. Right, yeah. go on. Yeah, uh, Swansea, I mentioned Swansea and uh, Wigan. So Will Keane with one goal and James McLean with both assists as Wigan took a 2-0 lead. Ryan Manning has just pulled one back for Swansea City. Get so in there. His brother had a starring role for going United last night. Yeah, it's an Irish fest over at uh, the Liberty Stadium uh, for Swansea. So far, 53106. Just a text to leave Leave it on for now until after the, uh, the uh, news. Pat here, a dub living in Cork for 20 years. There you go. Enough said. Enough said. We'll, we'll continue. You don't even have to finish it. <laughs> Ah, good. Welcome. Welcome, Pat. <laughs> Come on, Pat. He says, Cork people are the most balanced I've met. They have chips on both their shoulders. <laughs> I hear. There's no disagreement with that. I think any Cork person would agree with that. Yeah. I think that's a that's a compliment in, in some ways from Pat there, the dub living in Cork. I'd love to hear his accent and see what it's like. Uh, lads, stick with us. We have David Myler. We have Johnny Ward. We have Shane Keegan. Uh, plenty more to get into, lads, between now and five o'clock here on OTB Football Saturday with myself, Shane Hannon, as well. Get your text into 53106. Comment on the YouTube YouTube stream as well and we'll be back just after the news.
Yes, indeed. Very welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Shane Hannan with you through until 5pm. We've still got an hour left of OTB Football Saturday. The uh, esteemed broadcaster and journalist, the Galway man, Johnny Ward, in studio with me. We've got the uh, Cove Ramblers manager and leashman, Shane Keegan, on the line as well. And we have their former Republic of Ireland International and Corkman, David Myler, with us as well. Just time, uh, keep the text, by the way, coming in to 53106. Comment as well on the YouTube stream, the Facebook stream, or the Twitter stream. We'll see them everywhere. Um, and uh, time to, to quickly go around the grounds of the Premier League just before the second half get underway to see how the action is faring in the four three o'clock kickoffs. First up at the Etihad Stadium for Manchester City versus Fulham is Darren Stanage. Manchester City 1, Fulham 1, City getting pegged back, they did take the lead, Alvarez with a fierce effort from just inside the area that flew over the goalkeeper, bounced into the back of the net, City uh, all on top there until the 28th minute when Wilson was brought down by Cancelo in the penalty area, no attempt to play the ball, red card showed and the penalty was converted by Andreas Herrera, City still been dominant in terms of possession, but are they going to stick or twist now Fulham, they've got a great chance here at the break, Man City 1, Fulham yeah, so that's the game that's in front of us on television here as Pep Guardiola sits licking his lips here waiting for the second half to start. Latin Ibrahimovic. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other game, uh, one of the other games around the grounds, Ellen Road. Of course, Liverpool or Leeds trying to follow up on that win away to Liverpool last weekend. They're at home to Bournemouth. Not going all their way, though, is it, Adam Jury? Bournemouth going to the break, 2-1 up away at Leeds and a half that's had no shortage of action. It was Leeds who went ahead after just three minutes as Rodrigo scored from a spot kick after Somerville had initially been fouled, but the Cherries were only behind for four minutes as Tavernier volleyed in an equaliser. Then on 19, Tavernier set up Billing, who powered home Bournemouth second. The Cherries have been the better side, they could have extended their lead, but the hosts have squandered chances of their own two. Half-time at Ellen Road, it's Leeds 1, Bournemouth 2. Bottom side, Nottingham Forest are in action, taking on Brentford in one of the three o'clock kickoffs at the city ground. It's Clive Edwards. Half time is Forest 1, Brentford 1. Brentford are level thanks to a controversial penalty converted by Mbuma, given by a VAR judgment after Rissa had been brought down by Henderson inside the area. Very controversial one, the home fans don't like it. This after Gibbs White had given Forest a deserved lead after 20 minutes. Half time, Forest 1, Brentford 1. Yeah, the uh, last of the three o'clock games then is at Molyneux watching Wolves versus Brighton in the first half was Tom Ross. Wolves 2, Brighton 2, a half there, Brighton with a better side by a distance, but it's level at the break. Let's look at the, the goals, Adam Lallana, super finish, put Brighton ahead as they dominated the game, but within three minutes, poor defending allowed Cancelo Guedes to equalise for Wolves, he raced down the right and got into the box. Then, again, another opportunity for Wolves, they took the lead this time from the penalty spot after Lewis Dunk handled the ball. Then Mitoma, the smallest man on the pitch, was allowed to head past Semedo to put Brighton level. Poor defending by Semedo, who was then sent off in stoppage time for fouling Mitoma. Wolves 2, Brighton 2. Tom's voice just going at the end there. <laughs> to be fair, there's four goals in the first half. He's had to record a lot of those bulletins. Uh, so that's, we'll keep you on top of all the, uh, the, f- the second half action as it uh, goes between now and uh, five o'clock here in the show. A couple of comments into the YouTube. Um, Matt Leahy on YouTube says, currently out golfing and photo, listening to the lads, up the Ramblers and Imokili. So we've got a couple of co-op representatives in the, the comments as well. Uh, some of the comments Wenger out Big Sam in not a clue what that's about but uh, listen <laughs> sure who cares there's only YouTube um, lads I just wanted to bring your attention to the, the piece uh, from during the week and we spoke about it during the week Johnny on OTBAM the Jonathan Lewis piece in The Guardian talking about commentators in football so for anyone who hasn't seen this 
uh, Jonathan Liu's uh, opinion piece in The Guardian headline commentators have taken over but it's time to let the game do the talking so televised football has gone only one way in the attention economy with more chatter and voices but perhaps less is more so uh, he says commentators have taken over they're talking too much let the action do the do the talking on the pitch um, very harsh with some of it I thought um, now it's each to their own like he had said so over time different styles of commentary have sprung up all furiously jostling for a niche in the attention economy commentary as an extension of pub banter catchphrase commentary overwrought emotion soaked commentary specifically geared towards the viral clip market Milanese mayhem Peter Drury will shout after a dramatically late winner a San Siro drama to end all dramas and you think alright Peter it's a 1-0 win in Europa League Group K let's not go overboard um, I was not critical but people have opinions Like I, I'm not a fan of Martin Tyler's commentary on Sky I think he used to be very good and he's not as good as he used to be I think Clive Tilsley's brilliant I don't like Sam Matterface but this is the thing lads it's subjective like some people love these commentators some people hate them but I, I think it adds to a football match as well I don't know what you, what you lads feel about commentary uh, generally yeah I suppose I'm kind of reiterating what I said during the week if I, if I did have the option like in the old uh, Sky Red button or whatever to watch the game um without commentary I'd probably take that a lot of the time not because I d- really you know dislike commentators particularly but I, I like to recreate the atmosphere of being at a game um, commentators I think you know when you think they're essentially talking the whole way through 90 minutes that's a lot of talk like 90 minutes I think you can fit like three words into a, into a second so like you know that's 60 by 90 by 3 so Shane can do the maths there that's a lot of talking and you, you know Johnny I, yes there's a there's a button on the remote control called mute. <laughs> yeah, but then it's just you can't hear anything. I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear the crowd and all that. But uh, no, com- commentators. I I'd agree with John Martin Tyler. I think you know when I started getting into Premier League, I think he was he was really good. I think he's just gotten a bit tired. I think he's he's mm. done so many games. He's seen the. I'm sure the football just doesn't mean as much to him anymore, and that's completely natural. Um, I I think he's it's just quite laboured now. Um, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, do do you need commentators really? Well, I I, I was people. Some people thought I was quite harsh on. on Martin Tyler during the week but my, my point was it is subjective some people love Martin Tyler and more power to you my point was and again I repeat myself from during the week like Martin Tyler used to you know that whole and it's live I, I, as, I, as I said during the week he used to say we're back after this and it's live and now he's like and, and it's, it's live, live. yeah uh, like, the first come one was on, Martin. contrived and the second one he was probably told was being contrived so he's now go- he's doubling down yeah. and not being contrived um, but I like Des Curran um, when Des Curran and Pat Finlan are doing a game I'm like I enjoy Des because he's a good judge of football so is Pat they, they, they get on great together Graeme Gartland on Cole Combs um, she's Shamrock Rovers team beat Go United 1-0 in the 14s cup final today yeah. I think uh, congrats to Graeme but a, a bit of a moral victory for Go United against brilliant Rovers team but um, yeah I don't know I mean they, they to do a lot of talking so they're going to be talking crap a lot of the time like we do I suppose well sometimes commentators in any sport add to the occasion Murray Walker in Formula 1 was one of those for me I love John Virgo in the snooker mm. um, who else Like there's just commentators who add to the occasion Timmy McCarthy downtown in the basketball <laughs> just adds to it massively Corkman again yeah. Continuing the theme, yeah, you're like you're you're asking the question. You're asking the question at the right time for me, Shane. In that um, the under nineteen final, I uh, can't remember what they call it. Johnny, do you know the end of in the McGill? Yeah, the cup. The end of McGill. That's it. Uh, the final was on during the week, Shane, and I was delighted that the final was on during the week because I wanted to I wanted to have a look at the game anyway, and obviously enough, I was having a look to you know see if anybody caught the eye and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so I sat down flicked on my YouTube there were our, our, our uh, LOI TV they were showing it live on LOI TV and I was delighted and sat down to watch it um, 
for lies fairly quickly that no, there was no no commentary at all. And initially, I didn't think that'd be much of an issue for me. And I'll be honest with you, I found it impossible to watch without commentary. I found yeah. it impossible to watch. I was just, I was bored out of my mind. So I was. Now look, it was complete mute. So when I say to Johnny there, there is a mute button. Maybe, maybe if I'd had Johnny's mix of what he's asking with a red button there, where you can actually hear the even just the wind and the the what crowd is there. No, there wouldn't be much of a crowd at a game like that that I was watching. But you know, even that would have been better than just mute, which is mm. what I was watching it on. And there was no sound whatsoever. And it was, it actually, you know, I, I get on, I get on really well with a former I get on fairly well with a man formerly of this parish say Oshin Langan. I actually yeah. text Oshin I actually text Oshin and said how did you not get a shout to cover this game would you like is this not the sort of game that they'd have you doing because he did do last year's I remember him I specifically remember him doing last year's with Conan on co-commentary um, and Oshin was on last night doing the commentary on, on, on Galway and, and Waterford United um, and I just yeah I really I really badly missed Oshin the other night trying to watch the game you know? <laughs> yeah, I suppose sometimes like understandably now not all commentators are, are at the game that's it yeah yeah and yeah I remember years ago before that pro- probably became the norm like um, I was working for Satanta at the time and um, Satanta was showing quite a lot of uh, Italian football I think it was the Milanese derby I have a f- vague recollection of it being Good Friday and going out like kind of thinking we'll go for a few points there lads and mm-hmm. I was like oh no it's Good Friday I remember but anyway so Pat Dolan was on co-commentary and he was like is there coming out he's like listen to the noise in the San Siro this is amazing and then like the <laughs> atmosphere and then I went down for a cup of tea and there was Pat like he wasn't in Milan he was in Dublin like, he was literally in our office and I was like I was totally thrown by this so if the commentator isn't even at the game like what do I need you to be telling me what I'm already what, looking at yeah I know I guess they kind of have to add to the, the atmosphere whatever way they can when they're off tube but it's yeah it's not easy can I just interrupt coming to you David in this in one second but uh, some breaking news from the from the world of sport fantastic news from an Irish perspective Reese McLennan is a world champion oh the boy Reese. So he's the FIG World Artistic Gymnastics Championships in Liverpool uh, he, he was very very emotional in the interview there afterwards so he was uh, third to go the two previous competitors from the, from the, the Netherlands and Japan both experienced slips McLennan then came up clean impressive routine Moved into first place with a score of 15.300. County Downman awarded 8.200 for execution, 6.200 for difficulty, setting a high target for the rest of the field. They couldn't catch him. So the Downman is a world champion. Uh, understandably, very, very emotional in the, in the post, uh, in the interview afterwards. So uh, huge congratulations to Reese McLennan. That's when massive. The, the, the first time I met Reese, think of met Reese a couple of times here. The first time I met him, um, JP uh, long, uh, gone but not forgotten who was producing on the day he, <laughs> he's still alive by the way JP uh, Gilburn JP's upstairs was, uh, JP <laughs> Gilburn was extremely uh, good at his job it was the only time I can remember this happening where he said oh Jesus Reese McLennan I completely forgot so I had to interview Reese McLennan with no research <laughs> whatsoever because JP, so gymnastics. JP had forgotten and what an impressive individual and what really impressed me was was it at the, the last championships where he had like that um that that horrible round where it just it went wrong for him and he had to go back and and just complete the you know complete his repertoire or whatever the way he spoke afterwards was like don't worry about this you know just be mentally strong come back keep do it again do mm. it again and re- for a young guy I was amazed at his mental fortitude and fair play to him very proud of uh, of him uh, that he's uh, achieving that and what is an incredibly difficult discipline he's unbelievable Reese isn't he he's one of those people you, when you speak to him you can't help but be impressed uh, twenty three years of age mm. is Reese McLennan and he's a world champion um, understandably in bits afterwards uh, getting a few texts as well on the, the commentators Brian Murr was the greatest for soccer Peter O'Sullivan in, in racing says Danny O'Sullivan Danny adds Johnny looks sharp 
compliment for you there, Johnny, and the, he's obviously Very watching good. on the YouTube stream. Thanks to Mahmoud for the Barnes uh, during the week. Yeah, yeah. you can send uh, Danny O'Sullivan his 50 quid in the brown envelope for that comment. Um, other comments as well on the, the, the commentator situation. Is that like, David, do you ever watch back when you're watching back matches? Do you ever turn it on mute? Or are you someone who has uh, commentators you like, you don't like? Do you care? I would, yeah, once you brought it up, I started thinking about it. Often I, I think to myself, what's a commentator there for? Um, that's kind of the thing. Obviously, you'll have the kind of main speaker, like, and then you have a kind of co-commentator who's usually kind of an ex, you know, football or whatever. I I don't like when it goes down the kind of pub talk route mm. where they're having a bit of banter. I kind of want an insight from the footballer and something they see. Like, I get Johnny's point on, you know, whether or not they're at the game or not, but if they're certainly at the game, I want, I want to see what they an insight into what's going on or something that they see. Now the co like the main commentator then, I just want him to kind of you know, Gundogan has the ball, passes it, keep it simple. Mm. I think you're spot on in what you're saying. Nowadays we live in a world where everything is about clips and mm. you know, trends and whatever and they're trying to get these little videos that you know all the broadcasters are trying to get these videos. Um certainly I don't mind commentary, of course is the odd commentator like even when certain games, like I watched a bit of Sheffield United and Burnley earlier, and they had um, it was Andy Hinchcliffe, Mick McCarthy, and they had another person. I don't know who the main commentator was. Mm. But like it's almost that there's voices fighting to get on air to give their like little <laughs> bits, and I I'm not a fan of that. I don't mind, you know. Like I I actually hate when Neville is commentating on United or yeah. Carragher's commentating Liverpool, and then when United play Liverpool. Because Both of them are I don't in. care what they said. I don't care what they say. If they were standing in front of me now, I'd say it to them, you're still biased. Mm. Like, you still love your club. Yes, you want your club to do well. To be fair to them, they both call a lot out. But there is that still loyalty and bias towards them. And I, I feel it can kind of ruin the commentary a little bit. Yeah, you brought up an interesting point there, David. You said, like, what is a commentator there for? And, and that, that's something that kind of was mentioned during the week, that for some people, a commentator is there for, OK, I'm going to run out and make a quick cup of tea, but the volume's up, and the commentator's job to to warn me if there's a chance or a goal by the intonation and decibel level of their voice, and I'll run back in and see what's happened. Mm. That That's why Martin Tyler's fallen off for me a little bit, because you know he's not like Peter Drury where you're straight away you know that something big has happened because his, his voice will, will indicate it but Tyler has he's not as enthusiastic maybe as he was so you could come back in there's been two goals and you're like Jesus I wouldn't have known um, so maybe that's well, I would I would. do you know what right um, I'll I'll disagree with you two on Martin Tyler because I've I've had the pleasure of being in Martin's company a few times that doesn't mean Martin we're wrong though just because you met him I mean that doesn't like no no but his passion his passion for football is still the same <laughs> right. no I, I think there's a little there's stuff going on behind the scene with Martin I'm going to say do you remember the whole Aguero thing yeah and then like when Aguero like left City and like that whole thing of like you know on the on the pitch going Aguero mm. like I was like no Martin you're that's not you yeah and I think like Johnny you're actually spot on I think that it became of it's live and then it became a big thing <laughs> all the time that they were like well we might need to tone this down a little bit now, now it's gone it's live I, I get yeah. that. I agree with you. Yeah. Like, there's there's conversations going on where it's just let him commentate. Like, do you know what I mean? The fella's done it for what? What do we know? Decades. 30, he's 30. well into his seventies, like. Mm. Yeah, mm. and he's still as knowledgeable as ever. It's actually fascinating. Like, I remember the first time I met him, probably seven eight years ago, and he was going on about different games I played in and taught me through the game. And I was just thinking, wow, wow. Like, yeah, like 
his knowledge is phenomenal. And, you know, like he always has. Now, I do love this part when he throws out those little quiz questions. <laughs> I do love that. Yeah, that's oh, brilliant. It's subjective. But you can, it is. You, you can tell is. you can tell the difference between the commentators who have literally rocked up to do commentary and it's, you know, it's a straightforward gig for them. And, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. And the commentators who, who have put in the prep. Like, again, not just because we're chatting here, like, but but Dave McIntyre is is absolutely top class. Yeah, and, and you can you can imagine the prep that's going into it. I, I sat I sat in Tala uh, last Friday Sunday evening, uh, Shane. With with I was doing the co commentary for BBC uh, Foil, BBC Radio Northern Ireland, BBC Foil, yeah. and Eric White, Johnny Eric has won. What does Eric Eric keeps winning some award every year? Regional sports broadcaster, broadcaster yeah, or whatever yeah, it is. The Emeralds, yeah. Um, and lads, you want to see his notes. Like, mm. my God, you'd want to see his notes. Like, the amount of prep that he puts into it is ridiculous. And and that's why, again, he's so good at it. And I think any of them that are really, really good, I, I think people would be extremely surprised. Those who are sitting at home on the couch would be extremely surprised to see the depth of, of research and, and just the notes. Just the notes are a work of art um, at times from the ones that are, are, are really, really under game, you know? This is a thing, is a thing that, like, that's the article, though, he's an issue with this. It's like, well, you're going to give me this. It's, it's, it's stats and all. In the sense that, like, Jimmy McGee's different class is at one level so iconic and the other level is like, Jimmy, you're using two words here. Like, give me something. I don't know what's going on. You're just saying different class twice. Like, Yeah, but so it, it, was, it was so simple. It was brilliant. Different class. Different class. It was like... I mean, That's all it needs. Simplistic commentary. Yeah, th- th- there we go. I mean, I, d- I don't know what the answer is. The original commentators were on the radio where they had to actually literally describe something you couldn't see. With this with Jimmy, Jimmy was like, well, you know... TV and radio is totally different. Totally though. different. Yeah. And it, it's, that, but that's, that's, that's a valid point there. That people get lost in the difference between TV and radio. Mm, yeah. Because I've done I've done TV games and I've done radio games and you can get sucked into... I've got sucked into doing like radio commentary on TV. Mm. And then when you like... I'll be self-critical and I'll look back and I'll go, Jesus, what am I talking about? Because <laughs> everyone can see what you see. Do you know mm. what I mean? Yeah, it's so funny. It's like they're, they're, they're looking for an insight of like something that I see might, might be the distance between the fullback or a point that you might make. But yeah, the, like that's the thing. The, the LOI TV thing. So during COVID, essentially all the games started to be streamed, and a lot of people wouldn't be aware of this. But all of the games then needed a commentator, and in many instances a co-commentator, and it spawned a lot of good commentators and co-commentators have actually grown their careers from the LOI TV. And in general, I think the standard has been excellent. Like Joey Undo is kind of the iconic one. You've Adrian Taff who does the Dundalk and Drogheda games. I think he's excellent. Graham Garton first came on my radar. I think doing those games and his career has gone uh, gone great since then because he's been very good at it and um, it has been cool to see that that these people just got these jobs and now they're flourishing mm. some messages in there as we watch Erling Haaland and Phil Foden on the sideline are just about to enter the fray for Man City so dangerous times for Fulham although they have the, the one man advantage of course after Cancelo sending off 1-1 it remains at the Etihad uh, some comments in on the YouTube on this Clive Tilsey uh, Kino Sullivan says Clive Tilsey was the best for the Champions League and that's the thing sometimes someone's voice uh, adds gravitas to an event I actually have two uh, Clive has a business now commentary charts I think it is Dakota UK where he has his notes pristine notes and pristine handwriting kept from massive games oh, cool. and he photocopies them and you can fr- have two framed copies of I think it's the 99 Champions League final and the 08 Champions League final his notes cool. and like he signs the back of them and leaves a little message for you he's got them for some of the Ireland World Cup games as well in, ni- in 1990 1994 he's got his notes and it's it's just it's an amazing little keepsake mm. uh, it's, the, the research that Shane, goes into them yes Shane go on just so you know or David, just so you know yeah he doesn't photocopy them he doesn't he 
No. Um, I actually have them. I have them from uh, the 94 game against Italy. I have them as well. The commentary charts, I think they're called. Yeah, yeah. I have them as well. I have them in frames. Um, something like that. It was like a little souvenir. I think it's really cool. But they're, um, they're what you call it. They're, he, he rewrites them. That is that's amazing. That's how we did them a while ago because he keeps his original ones. Yeah, yeah. that is amazing. And and like, he, I know he does Hull City, some, some games, he does every club. There's, if you go onto the website, you'll see so many wow. countries and clubs and even games he didn't commentate on. If it was a big game and someone requests it, he'll go back and research for that game as if the game hasn't happened yet. That's mad. And do his research based on... I think it was, it, was, it was kind of like, I spoke to him because I tried to get a couple of games that I had done. This is before he would do that. And he said, like, oh, I didn't cover those games. Yeah. And then he said, like, I'll give you a list of games I covered of, of yours. <laughs> and then none of them were really noticeable, like, as in, like, we lost or something. I was yeah. like, well, I'm looking for the iconic wins here. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you don't want to be reminded of constantly on your wall of a game that you didn't win. Um, yeah. But th- that's the thing, like, those like those moments, like, without Clive Tilsley's commentary in 99, like, can Manchester United score? They always score. And even, the you know, Roy Keane with the captain's goal in the semi-final, like, they're just iconic now. And well, even the other morning where like Carl was reciting this like otherwise George Hamilton commentary of George Hamilton from Matty Holland against Cameroon which yeah. I don't think anyone can remember word so for word Carl who's now essentially a commentator himself yeah, yeah, yeah. he made an imprint and you know there are a lot of weirdos out there there's a famous one isn't it isn't it Manila scores for Roma against Barcelona Peter Drury has one Yes. Yes. Yeah, I can't. I, like, I ain't got a quote of you, Johnny. Um, but he has an iconic one where he comes with the, like, I'm not. No, I'm not even going to attempt to. But I, I mean, probably get. I could probably pull up on the internet here. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But even the George Hamilton, a nation hold its breath. Yeah, that's iconic. Like, yeah, and it's simple. But that that that's top of your head stuff. But isn't 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 that part of the problem nowadays? In what because way? In what way? There's been these iconic moments mm. where commentators have come out with this like fruition of lines that have like clicked on and now are famous that every game somebody's trying to give something that will become viral or you I know, know what you mean stay. it's just a clip I'd for socials uh, I'd say some fellas are even going into games with something pre-wrote that they're hoping they could use at some stage oh, yeah, like you yeah. know you know the way a journalist might have a piece wrote about predicting what way a result will go so he, he, he only has to kind of add the flesh to it then once the once the game does go that way yeah. I'm sure there's commentators who've got stuff kind of pre-prepared in the hope that you know there might be an opportunity for them to use that line because they think that line will go viral I was yeah, that was the line well, I've, yeah You've got the line I've David got there, the man, I've got the Manolas one He said Roma have risen from the ruins Manolas the Greek god in Rome The unthinkable <laughs> unfolds before our eyes This was not meant to happen This could not happen This is happening <laughs> That's just brilliant Lovely That's brilliant I, Some people are listening and thinking Ah it's a load of crap But I love that I love that sort of stuff Like and y- You understand how commentators fair enough they prepare their lines before the match so before kickoff, that's the only part you can prepare really uh, like Peter Drury had the famous when Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo returned to Old Trafford for the Newcastle game his second coming and uh, he had this lovely prepared line oh yeah the, from from Madeira to yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> like some people say that's cringe some people love it uh, again it's subjective um, like some people you're allowed to have opinions on this a lot of text coming in on this lads Um Lads, come on, how could you not have the commentary for Aguero's goal that won the league or Solskjaer's win in the Champions League final? I agree some commentators do make me switch over, but none would be shocking. So, uh, what is a commentator, lads? The Barry Davies commentating when Heisel was occurring before the eyes of Europe. Emotional, honest, critical. It's on YouTube, the standard mm-hmm. you can't compare it to. 
Uh, Brian Kerr is a legend says, says John he winkled his way past the defender and there's Brian coming up with his own vocabulary and some of the commentaries as well uh, Shane texts in as well to 53106 lads TV commentary as a whole isn't great but radio commentary is great people like Nathan Murphy genuinely illuminate a game without the pictures and look we're biased here of course but yeah. you know, when moments like Alisson happens scores the last minute w- uh, equaliser for Liverpool you can't you can't plan for that you can't plan for how you're, you're going to react Um so it's fair I think, like someone goes I know it's a different sport lads but no one could match let alone beat Bill McLaren commentating on a rugby match yeah, he would love to commentate in today's Ireland South Africa game yeah and um, I, I suppose like I was doing co-commentary for Galway Bay on the game last night and I, I'd say it's nearly my favourite thing to do in journalism Just I, I absolutely love it just because you're on the radio and basically people aren't watching so you, you kind of have a licence first of all whatever you say they can't contradict you because they can't see it so you can say anything <laughs> at all really yeah. and uh, you know get it wrong but it's, it's also the fact you are going back in time like you're relaying like when Michal O'Hare was commentating that was somebody's game that was yeah. what it was for the women and the men at home watching it that this was Michal O'Hare and he was the iconic voice and um, you know it's 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 cool because the radio is still such a, a lovely medium and we, we have had I think this country has had some of the greats I mean you, you, I was just going to say about Michal O'Hare I think mm. Michal O'Hare ah. in his prime you'd, you'd, you'd go you'd do very well to, 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 to beat him anywhere in the world yeah neither yeah. hurling stronghold like still no relation a fox chasing yeah. or a rabbit chasing a fox and then like he weaving in about how he had a dog back that lost the night before as well all this mad stuff that clearly wasn't pre-rehearsed and is just totally iconic even now <laughs> he, he, he comes out I remember he we have a fella here from town uh, Pat Delaney and, and Pat is a referee you know and he's talking about the referee Pat Delaney is, is on top of things here today I was in his house last week his wife Mary makes a fantastic cup of tea I mean that was nearly the highlight of Mary's life like, you know <laughs> Yeah, but did she, 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 your tea changing probably changed it now. She's got, a, she's got a big head and like all commentators, she kind of went over the top like and never made the tea as well again. Have you heard, there's the famous one in a, I don't know, was it in the First Division in Ireland or lower or something, but some fella's doing commentary, but his phone rings and he answers the phone. <laughs> yeah. It's priceless it and he's like, he's like, there's a chance here now when the ball's cuts in now it goes wide and he says, hello, yeah, yeah, no, I've got four bags tomorrow. And he says, and the keeper's setting the kick out, yeah, that's fine. Can you show it after the game? Like he goes back and forth. Like oh, the, the, the junior B kind of stuff. Used to drink in the yeah. Royal Oak and Kilmainham and uh, like I was there one night and F and Eddie was there. Like F and Eddie, the, the, the Tipperary hurling commentator, he just showed up in the bar and you got to meet F and Eddie. I mean, if you haven't if you haven't heard F and Eddie's commentary, <laughs> you'll, you'll never miss it out. You'll so, never beat that. There's great. I've got an article up here with some of the Mihal and so I won't try the I won't try the exit myself, but we'll we'll try a couple of the quotes, right? So the, the stopwatch has stopped. It's up to God and the referee now. The referee is Pat Horan. God is God. Like some great ones. He's got, he's got one here. Uh, and Brian Duher is down injured. And while he is, I'll tell you a little story. I was in Times Square in New York last week and I was missing the championship back home. So I approached a newsstand and I said, I suppose you wouldn't have the Kerry man, would you? To which the Egyptian behind the counter turned to me and he said, do you want the North Kerry edition or the South Kerry edition? Yeah. He had both. So I bought both. And Duher is back on his feet. Yeah. Like just class. Interspersing moments of commentary with um, little anecdotes and things that you know, half are pre-prepared, but it's just brilliant. And um, some of the comments in as well on YouTube. John Matson on the BBC was top class. Hard to disagree. Uh, fair point for Peter M. How often do you listen to Peter Drury and Jimmy McGee? You listen to Martin Tyler every weekend. Of course, it's easier to critique him. Fair point mm-hmm. and point taken. Yeah. Um, Ryan Nugent, leg- yeah. legendary commentator in the rugby, agreed. Uh, RK says Alan Green remains the greatest football commentator there ever was. Radio Five Live was epic. Um, that's Ray and Fermoy. And I remember even was it Jonathan? What is it, Jonathan? What's his name? 
for the BBC Five Live and Pierce Jonathan Pierce when he did the Eric Cantona Kung Fu kick commentary mm. and he's losing his head and a disgrace disgrace to football <laughs> see Jonathan uh, Pierce would be my idea of an absolutely terrible commentator <laughs> right. way over the top like and first of all I remember him being on like was he on like tell us what you really think he John. was on fantasy football wasn't he and they used to have this kind of mad spoof game and he used to do the commentary and then he started actually commenting live games he's way over the top like totally it's almost like he yeah, it's it's like he's he's a social commentary, almost a commentary on the politics of life, and the politics of football, and the politics of everything from a penalty. Like so, it's just like I know, no, John, definitely was, not. For was me. it Jonathan Pierce that did Robot Wars? Remember Robot Wars on TV? He used to, but robots probably a lovely guy as well. I don't know. I mean, probably lovely. That guy. was great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they throw two robots into an arena and they just. <laughs> it was brilliant It's been a slow news day It has been yeah. George Hamilton for Ireland against Holland in a friendly The man with the unfortunate name Volox Brilliant Says Niall and Tala yep. Some great ones uh, Keep your texts coming into 53106 uh, Which should uh, keep people up to date There is football happening We're getting carried away ha- Halland and Foden Are on the pitch 73 minutes played at the Etihad It's still Manchester City 1 Fulham 1 City down to 10 men Joao Cancelo was sent off In the first half For giving away a penalty uh, He brought down Harry Wilson And Andreas Pereira Pereira for Fulham uh, did the needful and uh, stuck the penalty away for Fulham the latest scores in the other Premier League games cracking game lads at Ellen Road so Leeds against Bournemouth Leeds of course looking to, to follow up on their win at Anfield last weekend Last weekend, Leeds took the lead after three minutes through a penalty from Rodrigo uh, won all then on seven minutes to Mar- Marcus Tavernier equalising for Bournemouth Philip Billing on 19 minutes giving Bournemouth a 2-1 lead that was the score at half time Dominic Solanke put Bournemouth 3-1 up after 48 minutes to make it uh, to give them the two goal cushion uh, just there on 60 minutes Sam Greenwood pulled one back for Leeds Liam Cooper has just equalised for Leeds on 68 minutes so uh, there's now 71 minutes on the clock it's Leeds 3 Bournemouth 3 cracking game it seems uh, Nottingham Forest 1 Brentford 1 remains the latest score after 71 minutes Morgan Gibbs-White gave uh, Forrest the lead and Brian Mbomo with a penalty uh, in first half stoppage time for Brentford equalising Wolves 2 Brighton 2 the Wolves goals from Gonzalo Guedes and a penalty from Ruben Neves and for Brighton it's Adam Lalana and Kauro Mitoma on the score sheet and a goal here it might be drawn goal here for Haaland Haaland looks like he thinks he's on set up by who else but De Bruyne uh, Fulham are looking for a handball and they'd build up so this could be very much a JD subject to VAR 74 minutes on the clock Haaland slides in front of the Man City faithful Celebrate gives it all in the celebration so far they think it's a goal Man City 2 Fulham 1 74 minutes we'll have a look here and see was there anything in the build up that uh, could have disallowed this goal watching the line Haaland uh, no offside oh I there. see the handball now yeah is the handball it's it was the centre half I'm watching a back there. live here for the first time well. his he knee is offside could, yeah and his right his right knee could have been offside as well are you saying it was De Bruyne that, with the handball lads He's no, Kanji. Kanji. The Matt's genius. Ah, yeah. The Matt's genius. Have you seen a Kanji's Matt's, have you? Yeah, isn't he? He's just, he's a absolute... Human calculator. He's a human calculator, yeah, is he? What's yeah. going on there? Yeah, it's ridiculous. They have something They have something with him where he's, he goes back to his Dortmund days where he's standing alongside a player and the player's got a calculator <laughs> and then the person asking the questions goes like 17 multiplied by 19 and he goes like 283. <laughs> just, Jesus. Yeah. And he does it quicker than uh, you yeah, might type it. A genius. Uh, they're obviously drawing the lines here at the minute. Pep Guardiola is going mad at the fourth official. Like, so I don't what, know why. What is the point of Guardiola having a, having an argument with the fourth official about technology here? Yeah, they're looking at an offside, which is clearly offside, right? Yeah. Or at least my reading of the lines here. It is appears off. to be offside. What does Guardiola have to say to the fourth official that's going to change this? <laughs> well, what I'll say to you here is the fourth official is probably given no information. So Guardiola probably thinks at this moment that they might be cancelling out for the handball. Yeah, and it is cancelled out. 
Uh, so it has oh, to be ruled okay. out, yeah. ruled out I think for offside. It was for offside didn't we? Yeah. yeah, down for offside. Oh, no. Fulham looked dangerous on the break. I think we could have a goal here. Mm. Still 1 1, 76 minutes in the clock, and Fulham with the man advantage. But Haaland thought he might have won it there, but nope. Uh, so that remains one all in that game the other games across the championship it's Blackburn Rovers 1 Huddersfield Town 0 it's Blackpool 0 Luton Town 1 Middlesbrough and Bristol City 1 all of course Michael Carrick is the Middlesbrough manager at the minute uh, Millwall 0 Hull City 0 there uh, still David so uh, it remains scoreless in that I one I know yeah Liam Rossini's first game in charge there you go how, how, do, you, how do you feel about that Rossini is a decent name yeah I know look uh, somebody asked me this the other day and I was telling them that like obviously I played with Liam for a long time but Liam always wanted, ever since he was a kid, to be a manager. Um, he's always been really passionate about it. Obviously, his father played and then went on to manage. So he kind of grew up in the time when his dad was managing. Mm. That was his big thing. He said, I want to manage. Um, and even when we used to have meetings, he would be heavily involved trying to influence things and you know, asking questions. He would sit during meetings with units when it was defenders. He'd do all that, midfielders, forwards. He's always been extremely passionate about it. Um, so I wish him well and I hope he does do well because obviously it's his first kind of permanent job I know he was interim at Derby but it's a big challenge for him yeah for sure best of luck to, to Liam Senior there still scoreless as I said in that game Millwall nil, Hull nil after 74 minutes it's QPR nil, West Brom 1 Kyle Bartley with the goal Rotherham 1 Norwich City 2 it's Stoke 1 Birmingham City 2 as I said Scott Hogan with the opening goal for Birmingham in that one Sunderland nil, Cardiff City 1 is the latest score Swansea 1 Wigan 2 as I said earlier Will Keane with one goal for Wigan James McLean with both assists and Ryan Manning with the goal pulling one back for Swansea and it's Watford nil, Coventry City one and uh, in the Scottish Premiership Celtic 2-1 still to the good against Dundee United 75 minutes on the clock there in Ross County 3 St Mirren 2 loads of text coming in to 53106 on the commentaries uh, also on the, the, the YouTubes as well Facebook and Twitter we uh, have to take a break lads we might touch on Spurs versus Liverpool back in a sec yeah, very welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on Newstalk. Shane Hannon with you through until 5 o'clock, uh, so still a bit of time left in the show. Brought to you by Sky, watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more live on Sky Sports. We've got David Myler, Johnny Ward and Shane Keegan all on the show between now and 5. There's plenty still to happen. Uh, there is the small matter at half past 5 at the Aviva Stadium. Lots of people heading to the match as, as things uh, stand at the minute, no doubt, for Ireland against South Africa in the first of the November internationals. Remember now, the IRFU told you, if you're going to the bar, wait for a break and play. Of course, yeah. very important. Respect, well, respect not only the kicker, but respect the people who actually are trying to watch. Exactly. Someone who won't be going to the bar is our own Ashling O'Reilly. Ashling is there with the build-up from the Aviva Stadium. Yes, it's perfect conditions here at the Aviva Stadium as Ireland face the reigning world champion South Africa. Kickoff is at five thirty p.m. It's been five years since they last went head-to-head with Ireland 38-3 winners on that occasion. With the Springboks then going on to win a third World Cup title just two years later. In team news, Andy Farrell was forced into a late change when Robbie Hentrell was ruled out with a hamstring injury with Stuart McCluskey prompted to the starting lineup. Hugo Keenan starts a full-back and Ulster winger Robert Balakoon will make his third cap as it's also a special day for Munster's Conor Murray as he is set to make his 100 in an Irish jersey. From a South African point of view, it's Lucan Yoam who was ruled out due to injury and replaced by the experienced Jesse Creel. Ches and Kobe will return after a broken jaw to make his first test start at full back, while there is a new young halfback pairing in Jaden Hendricks and Damian Willems. World number ones taking on the world champions here at a sold out Aviva Stadium. It doesn't get much better than that. Kickoff is at 5.30 pm. 
You mentioned Villa as well. My resident Villa fan in my sort of WhatsApp groups, Endo Connor and uh, Susan O'Hurley, have just gotten engaged there. Congratulations. Uh, so congrats, congratulations. Endo, big fan of the show, um, I think. And, uh, <laughs> he's obviously a big fan of Susan anyway, because they've just gotten engaged. I've been literally telling them for the last two or three months, sort this out. You're a very lucky man. Yeah. And um, well, he, might, he might be able to get you Villa tickets. Who knows? Oh, he's well, on a high. I'd love that. I'd love that. Um, so hopefully someone sorts me the Villa tickets. I'm giving it another plug here now. At Shane Hannan 01 on Twitter if you can get one ticket one for tickets. Villa United tomorrow. Uh, Brentford have taken the lead away to Nottingham Forest now 2-1. Uh, you want a visa on the 75 minutes. Leeds have pulled it back. They're 4-3 up in a seven goal thriller. Liam Cooper sorry Liam Cooper got the, the third goal 84th minute waiting to see what the sc- who the scorer was it's just hit the back of the net as we speak at Ellen Road so 4-3 up uh, failing a VAR um, atrocity to, to rule that out uh, lads the big one tomorrow we mentioned commentators we've got two live games for you and off the ball tomorrow on Newstalk in terms of commentary 2 o'clock that game Aston Villa against Manchester United Brian Kerr will be alongside Richie McCormick and then at half past four it's Tottenham versus Liverpool and uh, we've Kenny Cunningham sitting in for that one with Stephen Doyle on commentary David I mean huge huge game for Liverpool Jurgen Klopp's been quite tetchy in his uh, post-match press conferences of late obviously doesn't like to lose so he's going to be a little bit touchy now more than more than he usually is but this is this is a huge one north london tomorrow we've just lost david there shane we might go to to you on that one because uh, you're a tottenham man uh, so we were we were going to yeah. get the liverpool angle from from david but it's a big one for tottenham as well antonio conte wants the result yeah it is a huge one look it's i don't know what way to talk about tottenham at the moment shane to be honest with you like thank god for the results because uh <laughs> everything else it, it's amazing to be sitting third through to throughout our group in, in the Champions League and yet you'll find an awful awful lot of dissenting Spurs fans and I'm probably in that group if I'm completely honest I mean and I sat down again watches the other night and the first 45 minutes were as bad as I've seen like oh my god we were absolutely atrocious and it's a mad thing to say but I thought the only thing that saved Spurs the other night was conceding the goal right before half time because yeah. if they hadn't conceded the goal right before half time they would have been sent out to play in the exact same manner again in the second half and now you probably concede the, the goal with two minutes left in the 90 rather than two minutes left in the 45 and, and now it's too late to go and get a, a goal back um, and thankfully they did concede which forced Conte's hand but I don't think he would have changed it otherwise and, and we were a lot better in the second half that said we should still have been knocked out. Like yeah. They had an absolutely glorious chance of that header at the back post and oh, won all with two Spurs, minutes left. Spurs had, plen- Spurs had plenty of chance second half, though, like, in fairness. They, I know that was... In, uh, the, the, Not I, as good as that one. I watched the game... I, I um. I, I watched the game and I, I like you Shane I was I actually backed Spurs uh, in the middle of the first half and I was like oh my god how bad is this and uh, then the second half was like they decided we'll just switch it on here just looking at it though, Liverpool are really heavy favourites to beat Spurs away tomorrow so yeah, I don't know People, the, markets don't, the markets don't rate them I, I think Spurs like Son, Son's been quite unfortunate but I don't think he's been playing well anyway And no but but the point is Johnny whatever you, like, you could handle Son being out if Richarlison was available yeah. or if Kulachevsky was available I mean we're now down to Lucas Mora who you know he, I was never totally convinced by him but he, yeah, whatever level he was at he's, he's dropped way off yeah. that and he almost he almost is guaranteed to start tomorrow because he's the only possible fit partner for Harry Kane really 
Um, so that wouldn't fill you with a with a huge amount of confidence. Um, the back line at least lo- looked decent the other night. It was a bit of a switch around with Dyer going to the right of the three. Obviously, there's the constant chopping and changing of the wing backs. Um, the midfield three are pretty settled now that he's 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 settled on that system. So put it this way, I I. I can't see it being a cracker now if I'm perfectly honest mm. about it. How do you think um, tactically he'll approach it, Shane? Because uh, like Spurs just they don't seem to be a possession team um, um oh, no. at all. But like they're at home, so they're like there'll be I'd say there'll be great atmosphere there. Despite uh, as you say, they're still flying high in terms of their points tally. It's a massive game for Liverpool. If Liverpool lose this, they're really staring into trouble in terms of finishing in the top four. And like I've I felt that it was it was kind of mad that Klopp Played so many marquee players against Napoli, a because he probably didn't have alternatives, and b because he just wanted them to win, and he just wanted them to get back to winning ways. But I, I think it's it's a really hard game to call. I thought. Yeah, I, I, it is. It's a very, very hard game to call. Is right. Look, how will the game play out? I think is a lot easier to call in terms of the style. Like games are much more intriguing where both teams want to have the ball. Um, whereas tomorrow, like Conte will just say, "No, here you go. You, you have it, lads." And we'll we'll just sit off here and, and defend for the game and rely on on counter attacks and rely on incredibly significantly for Spurs this year set pieces. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, you might have read they brought in a, a set piece expert who, my God. If, if any man has earned his money this year it's him because if, if Spurs hadn't had all those set-piece goals this year um, they'd be well down from, from where they are in the table and that's what they'll do they'll, they'll, they'll try and bank on them um, like they're so, counter-attacking team shame they're, they're not particularly fast on the break at all like well, we won't certainly won't be without Son because mm. he's you know he's just brilliant in transition, absolutely outstanding in transition. As is Harry Kane. Like I know, I know everybody knows Harry Kane is good, but I genuinely still feel that I, I'm not really sure people actually realise how good like, he's. An amazing how many football. players? How how many players in the world have simultaneously been one of the top three finishers in the world while also one of the top three passers in the world? Mm. Like Messi, Messi obviously, but like Harry Kane to me is absolutely top. Top three. He's obviously top three goal scorers in the world, but he's also one of the top three passers in the world, no doubt about it. Every time he drops deep and picks up the ball, his passing range is absolutely incredible. It's it's incredible. How do you um, call it, David Myler? Is, is he back? David, oh, I'm back. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah dodgy, Give us the Liverpool angle, spike. David. How's this game going? <laughs> I, do you know what? Do you know what, Shane? I don't know. Um, yeah. Like you look at the intensity that they played against Manchester City and then you look at the performance against, you know, Forrest and Leeds. I expect Liverpool to win. Um, I think it's going to be one of them scrappy games. Like, as you said, you've touched on how the game will be played. I think Tottenham will drop off. They'll just concede possession. They'll just, you know, tuck up, make it narrow. No spaces in between, you know, the centre-backs and the wing-backs. Um, Liverpool will dominate it. They'll create and have chances and Spurs will look to ca- uh, catch them on the counter-attack. They'll probably uh, finish up Liverpool 2-1 Yeah Well they'd certainly Take that result tomorrow Because they, they really need it In 93rd minute We've entered the third minute Of five minutes of stoppage time At the Eddie had 10-man Man City Still 1-1 Against Fulham Haaland desperately Pushing for goals there uh, Let's hear who got that late goal It's still uh, 4-3 to Leeds But let's hear who got, the, got that late goal At Ellen Road uh, From Adam Jury Leeds for Bournemouth free. Crescenzio Somerville looks to have done it again for Leeds after scoring the winner at Anfield last week. Maybe he's done so here at Ellen Road. A lung-busting run from Nyonto, who managed to run a full 50 yards with the ball. Coming into Bournemouth's half, slipped the ball in for Somerville to run onto. One-on-one with the keeper, and he slipped it past him into the back of the net. Leeds four, Bournemouth three. 
Crescencio, Somerville. What a week he's had. It's Cur- just the, the, the turnaround for Jesse Marsh. Like, it's in the, that, those oh, six s- massive points. Something's happening here at the Etihad. I think the referee has pointed to the penalty spot for Man City. The City players, Bruyne. Kevin De Bruyne is down. The City players are certainly celebrating here. It's the 94th minute. Five minutes were added. They're all high-fiving De Bruyne. It appears the referee has gone to that. Uh, while we're waiting on that penalty to be taken, let's hear about a late potential winner at Molyneux from Tom Ross. Goals two, Brighton three. Pascal Gross with the goal, the defender smashing the ball into the net after absolutely brilliant work by uh, Mitoma. Fabulous work down the left-hand side, but the ball went to Pascal Gross, no messing, banged it into the back of the net, and deservedly so. Wolves two, Brighton three. It's, yeah, it's, it is a penalty it's for City. Penalty. It's it's soft, but De Bruyne, I think you can give him. He's he's guilty of his reputation here. He is. He does feel contact, and he's kind of the back of his force. It's an awfully silly, silly tackle. Like who else? But the ball in his hand, Erling Haaland off the bench he has a penalty he's been running around like a like a blue arse fly trying to get a goal here for Man City since he's come on himself and Foden um, and they have is it Ruben Diaz ready to come off the bench as well to waste more time after the after the penalty is taken it's 94.05 on the clock five minutes were added at the Eddie had ridiculous tackle it's so stupid ridiculous tackle yeah it's as stupid as the Cancelo oh, one in the first yeah. half really um, uh, just Carnage from uh, from Fulham to do that in the ninety fifth minute. They haven't had loads of chances, City. I know they've no. had ten men, but they really because they, they, they've been able to hold them relatively at arm's length. And yeah. this is infuriating for Silva. Presumably we're, scores. We're which. bang out of time in the show here, but I'm going to stick with this for the for the penalty uh, to see how but this before goes. Before the penalty comes, Shane, oh, 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 no. <laughs> it's squeezed in. Haaland has scored. Shirzy's oh. taken off. Sorry, go on ahead, David. Um, just a quick update. I've I've ventured down my my roots at Villa. No luck there. But my my pals at United have said to me they'll, they'll let me know. I might be able to get you a ticket. Oh, I mean, sorry, beggars can't be choosers here. Like, yeah, if you want, well, do you well, want well, a ticket or do you want a well, ticket? Well, my brother is a United fan, David, so that could be even better. Unbelievable. That could work out nicely. I keep well, in touch on the WhatsApp. <laughs> nah, brilliant well, stuff. I'm hoping I'm hoping the captain says to me that, that he'll have one. Uh, he'll let me know there. Oh, I just sent him a little text I'll, I'll keep the straight fingers crossed straight to the top it's not messing with my straight to the top it's not yeah, watching yeah, all yeah. who you know fair play oh, listen that, hey, hey, that's <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> as uh, Haaland celebrates listen lads David Myler Johnny Ward Shane Keegan thanks a million for everyone today lads as usual thanks cheers lads cheers lads <laughs> great stuff great stuff as we watch Man City 2 full on 1 it uh, crept in it smuggled in. in the keeper nearly saved it but uh, yeah that's all we have time for lads on the show on OTP Saturday for myself Shane Hannan this afternoon loads to come tomorrow we've live commentary as I said Aston Villa against Manchester United Brian Kerr uh, on commentary with that one we've also got commentary of the other game Spurs against Liverpool and the paper review from half past 11 as well we'll speak to you tomorrow good luck